uh, he's welcome here anytime, every time. And I bless the Lord for it. I want you to take your Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter number 4. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5 tonight. And uh, I want to preach verse number 8 in part. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. We'll preach it only in part. Not going to complete verse 8 tonight. Uh, just give you uh, one thought uh, that is made up of many thoughts. I don't want to give you a false sense of security or hope. It is one thought, but it's made up of many thoughts. And, uh, but I feel like the Lord would have us to be here tonight. So let's stand a minute. Matthew chapter 5. I sat over there while they were singing and, and, uh, and, and asked the Lord uh, what, what direction he would have us to go in. I'm perfectly, perfectly content with just singing it out and praising God and worshiping God and, uh, and perfectly content when it goes in that direction. Uh, but preaching of the Word of God is in itself worship of God. And so I, I believe tonight the Lord would have us just to go right on worshiping Him uh, and praising Him through the preaching of the Word of God. It is His words, it is of Him, it is about Him, it is because of Him. And uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, hallelujah for the Word of God tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8. This is the sixth beatitude. Uh, the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We'll read it again tonight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our outline has been the paradox. We've looked at it on every single one of them. The paradox, the progression of each of these Beatitudes, and then the promise. I think I don't even have to preach it. Of course, I will in days to come, Lord willing. But I think you see the promise. For they shall see God. And uh, thank God we're, we're going to see Him. Thank God we have seen Him. You say, how have we seen Him? We've seen Him by faith. We've seen Him through the pages of Scripture. We've seen him in our prayer closet. We've seen him in his bride. We've seen him in one another, the body. We've seen him in ourselves working. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Tonight I want to look at just the paradox of this text, this verse this evening, and we'll pray, and I'll give it to you. Lord, we love you this evening. We do. We thank you tonight. You've been so good to us, and we bless your name for it. God, I, I pray tonight that you'd touch the preaching of the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd touch the preacher of the Word of God tonight. Lord, I, I need your help as much as anyone. And Lord, uh, maybe more tonight because I'm the one doing the preaching. And God, I pray that you'd touch me and help me. Lord, bless us and meet with us. And, and you have, and we know you will. Meet with us around the Word of God tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts in, in ways that we need and that, that only you can. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. 
uh, the paradox of this text. The, the, the reason, not that you desire or want an explanation of why we've used the same outline for each of these Beatitudes, but just in case you were curious, the reason is, is uh, each one of these uh, Beatitudes, a part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount of the Lord Jesus, each one of them uh, really uh, 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 work within this same. This, uh, there's no point in me trying to come up with different outlines every week uh, when, when each week the, the, you can view every one of these uh, Beatitudes in the same fashion. Uh, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, tonight I want to I show you the paradox of this text. And by that, as I've told you before, what I mean by that is, is when you first view it, uh, it really doesn't seem to make sense uh, on the outside. Uh, at first glance, I, I'll say this tonight, uh, everyone outside of this church that, uh, that are not saved. Now there's folks outside of this church that are saved, but... Uh, everyone on the outside tonight that are not saved, uh, this is certainly a paradox to them. It makes no sense to the lost world. Blessed are the pure in heart. At least uh, the, the, uh, uh, what they think about it may make sense, but uh, the Bible view of this makes no sense to the lost world. Blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, I say this, it makes no... Uh, and when I say lost, I, I, I mean... Uh, the Gentile world, the, the pagan world, the, uh, the rebellious world that does not want religion at all, uh, this makes no sense to them. But I would go further tonight and say that this makes no sense to the religious world. Uh, this is a paradox to the religious world uh, because there are many things in religion that will buy you salvation. Many things in religion that will buy you a ticket to heaven uh, of course, they won't really, but they are offered as something that will buy you uh, entrance into heaven uh, uh, and many things that people do, uh, but your heart being right is not one of the things that is preached by the secular world. Uh, as a matter of fact, most folks don't seem to have any problem with the heart at all. They, 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 they say stuff like this, follow your heart uh, and it'll lead you in the right direction. Well, that sounds good. Except Jeremiah said uh, in the Old Testament that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Uh, if my heart is deceitful above all things, I don't know about you, but I probably ought not follow my heart too far. Uh, if my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, uh, uh, then me following my heart is probably going to lead me to hell. Me following my heart is probably going to lead me the wrong way. So this is a paradox uh, to the lost world. This is a paradox to the religiously lost world. Blessed are the pure in heart. i tell you who it makes sense to tonight. It makes sense to those who've received a new heart. It makes sense to those who realize one day that their heart was a problem. <laughs> it makes sense to those who realize that my heart was sinful. 
They believe the Bible, my heart is deceitful. They believe the word of God, my heart is desperately wicked. Uh, and I don't even know the, uh, the desperation of my heart. I don't even know all the deceit that's there. But what I know is that my heart is wrong and they've received a, a pure heart. They've received a new heart and all of this makes sense to them. Sitting in here tonight, you may be lost. You may not have a new heart. Jesus may not be your Savior. And you may follow the trends of religion. Or you may be filled with the spirit of rebellion. And none of this makes sense. Why do I? And you may argue with truth. You may argue with the Spirit of God. But what I want you to know tonight is according to the Word of God, your heart's going to take you to hell. Your heart's deceitful. Your heart is desperately wicked. And your heart will lead you into a life of sin that will end you up in eternity in hell you say what is the solution Uh, bring your heart to Jesus let Jesus take your heart and make you clean and wash you Uh, and a good old fashioned word we like to use let the Lord save you and when he does he'll create in you a clean heart it's been often said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart or maybe I got it backwards the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. Jesus gives this six beatitude and again his uh, crowd is primarily Jewish. Uh, they are religious uh, and they have been for century upon century passed down religion without God. Religion without God. They had a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And uh, that's in our world tonight. That's in the state of Georgia tonight. That's in the Augusta area tonight. That's in Burke County tonight. That's in Crossroads Baptist Church tonight. Folks with a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And this was the crowd that was listening intently on the edge of their makeshift seat. Uh, sitting down in the grass or leaned up against a tree or a rock at the foot of this mountain as Jesus echoed these words, Blessed are the pure in heart. You want life, Jesus said. You want, and he gave us many more, and we've looked at them, but you want life, you want happiness, you want joy, you want life worth living, then here's what you need. You need a pure heart. God is going to have to do something with your heart. Uh, I, I read behind some scholars, I guess they are, uh, who said that by the time Jesus preached to this crowd, uh, that above the laws that were given in the, given in the Old Testament, that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of, of, of their day, the Pharisees had created laws about the laws, they had created hundreds of laws above that which Jesus or above that which God in His Word had given. And there were hundreds upon hundreds of laws that were created by man. They had interpreted the law of God so much that they had reinterpreted the law of God and they had given stuff that God never said and they required it of the Jewish people to the point that everyone with any sense knew that it was a farce It was a phony, Uh, it was uh, incapable that man could not keep the laws. Uh, Not only could they not keep the laws of God, but man could not keep the laws of man. Uh, Some of the 
men I read behind said that the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the priests uh, that they had uh, recognized that this is so undoable, these hundreds and hundreds of laws that have been given to, uh, to, to please God because that is man's desire. What can I do uh, to please God? Over and over again it's asked in the New Testament, what must I do uh, to inherit eternal life? That's what man wants to know. Uh, why, why do you think tonight uh, that people go to church uh, for the first time? It's because they've become aware of the fact that if there is more to life after this life, uh, then uh, I am missing out. And if there's something, uh, uh, when I die, heaven or hell, I need to know where I'm going. That is a question that man wants to know. And over and over again it's asked in the New Testament, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what they were asking? What do I need to do to be right with God? What do I need to do to please God? What do I need to do that God would look at me and say, I am well pleased in you. And so these scribes and Pharisees had said, not only do you need to keep the laws of God, but you need to keep the laws that we have made as well. And they made law upon law upon law to the point that people began to realize that if this is what I've got to do, it's hopeless. If this is what I've got to do, it's pointless. And my religion, though I'm not going to give it up because it's hard to give up old habits. Can I get a witness right there? My religion, I know I can't do it. I know I'm a phony. I'm going to claim it as my own and, and, and sincerely wonder if I'll ever please God. Most of his crowd uh, was that way. And many may be even here tonight, that is your heart. What must I do to please God? What do I need to do to make God happy with me? I tell you, there's no happiness for you if you don't know the answer to that question. There's no contentment in your soul if you don't know the answer to that question. And, and I'm going to build my way up to it, but let me just go ahead and give you a preview tonight. Jesus is the answer to that question. The Son of God is the answer to man's question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm glad the Bible answered it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hallelujah. Jesus is the answer. I, I read hundreds of laws upon hundreds, interpreted and reinterpreted the law. And finally, they said, well, we, 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 can't, we can't keep all of them. So here was what the general consensus was. Uh, keep several of them. God knows, and see, then people start saying stuff about uh, God that God didn't say. Man makes up his own opinions about God, and so he says, well, you can't keep all of them. No one can keep them all. And so what you need to do is find several of them and keep several of them. Keep a lot. Keep a lot of them. God will be pleased, and that was the general consensus. If you keep a lot of his laws, you can't keep them all. You don't even know them all. You can't memorize them all, and you find them out, new ones all the time. So here's what you need to do. Keep a lot of them. If you'll keep a lot of these laws, that God will know you're trying, and God will be pleased with you. But here's what they found out. I can't even keep a lot of them. Are you hearing me tonight? 
And so then it, they, they, they brought it on down and here's what they said. If, and, and, and I read behind several different men who said this and either they all read the same history book or, 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 or they, they knew something and, 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 and I'm just taking their word on it. Here's what they said. Uh, and, and history seems to prove this out. Uh, here's what they said. Well, if you can, if you can find one of them uh, that you can keep perfectly, then God will know you're trying, at least in that one area, and you'll please God. If you can find one law. See, man, man made, uh, took God's law that man couldn't keep, added hundreds of it to it to the point that no one could even try anymore. Then they dumbed it down to uh, if you can keep a lot of them. Uh, you may not be able to keep all of them, but if you can keep a lot of them, God will be pleased. And then they brought it down to if you can keep one law, one law, then God will be pleased with you. Of course, the problem is, is that the Bible never said that. I wonder tonight if that's what the lawyer had in mind. Uh, was it Luke chapter 10? I think it was maybe. Uh, when the lawyer came to the Lord Jesus and said, Master, what, or he said, Master, what is the greatest commandment? I wonder if he had in mind, what's the one thing that I can do uh, to assure that I'm taking care of the right commandment, that I'm assured that I'm doing the right thing to please you? You'd be surprised how much you find that even in a good old-fashioned independent Baptist church that there are many people who said, well, I'm working and I'm trying to do good and, and I can't keep it all, but I've got my list of ones that I like and these ones that I don't have a problem with, I'm doing those really good. Here's my question. What about all those ones you do have a problem with? Well, I, the old saying, uh, we don't smoke, we don't chew. We don't go with girls who do. I like that. And there's a lot of religion built on that. Well, I don't do that, and I don't do that, and I don't do that. And, and so I'm pretty good. God must be pleased with me. But Jesus said, if you've broken one point of the law, you've broken it all. So what if you've got five things that you're doing well? So what if you've got 10 things that you're doing well? So what if you've got 100 things that you're doing well? What about the one thing? What about the, and let's be honest, there's not any of them we're doing well. They, this is the scenario. If I can find one thing that I can do right, then surely I'll please God. I want to please God. Well, here's how you please God according to the message that Jesus preached. Blessed are the pure in heart. He said, uh, you want to please me, we're going to have to do something about your heart. If you're going to please me, we're going to have to have your heart be pure. That's a paradox. Uh, here's why it's a paradox tonight. Because every other religion in the world and much of Christianity says, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and do this. And God might be pleased with you. It, it don't make sense to them. Uh, the religious world tonight can make no sense of a free gift of salvation. 
And they're in independent Baptist churches, and they're in Southern Baptist churches, and they're in Pentecostal churches, and they're in, uh, they're in, they're in Church of Christ, and there are all kinds of different denominations that make up that belief system. And you can get out of the denominational tag, and you can find all kinds of different religions. You can go look at the Muslims, the Jews, the Hindus, or the Buddhists, and any religion you want. The atheists, they're all, and, and atheism is a religion that believes a doctrine. And they all have a doctrine that, and they may not believe in God, but they've got a faith in their religion. And every religion has a list of things that I am required to do to please my God. A thing that I am required to do and, and standards that I am required to meet, to meet with God and for God to meet with me. And it does not make sense. There is, uh, there is on the one hand, the teaching of and this would be, and I'm not going to get into all of this, but this would be Gnosticism. And, and there is the one hand, I need to know something. It, it, is, a, it is a head matter. Uh, a matter of the head. I, I need to know more, so I need to read my Bible more. Hey, reading your Bible is a good thing, but if you think you're going to heaven because you read it 77 times, you can read it 77,000 times and still die and go to hell. I need to know something, so I'm going to go to church so I can learn. I'm going to go to Bible college so I can learn. I'm going to go to seminary so I can learn. And I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to read it again and again. I'm going to listen to Christian radio, and I want to know, and I want to know more. I tell you, there was very few people who knew more about the Word of God than the Pharisee and the Sadducee and the scribe and the, and the priest, and yet all four of those, uh, without the Lord Jesus, were hopeless and helpless and on their way to hell. And there's a whole lot of folks tonight that are in hell, unfortunately, that knew more about the Bible than you and I have ever thought about knowing. It was a part of the Jewish religion that they memorized the Pentateuch. That is the first five books of the Old Testament. The first five, they're written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, and on. And, and they're long books, and they had them memorized in their religion. They knew them. Uh, it was a part of their schooling. It was a part of their training. You want to talk about knowing uh, something about God. You want to talk about knowing something in your head that is truth, uh, but it never make it to your heart. They had it in their head, but they, and they knew, and they sought knowledge. It is the having a form of godliness. They wore their spiritual cloak. They put on their spiritual garb. They, they, they dressed it up on the outside. And I'm for dressing it up on the outside. But it better be dressed up on the inside before it ever gets dressed up on the outside. Or it's nothing more than religion. And gee, you can dress up the outside. But it takes the Lord Jesus to dress up the inside. They put on their priestly garments, and they still do. We just got back from Rome uh, when we went to Albania. We just got back from the Vatican and went over there, not because we were on a spiritual journey, just because we wanted to go over there and thank God that we got a hold of some truth that the rest of this world don't have a hold of. Just because we want to go over there and see what religion looks like without Jesus. And if you want to see it, you can find it in a whole lot of places called worship houses and prayer houses and places of praise. And yet they have a form, they have a knowledge, it is all in their head, but it never shows forth in their life. 
They know the right word. They know the right statement. They know the right motto. They know the right creed. And there's a whole lot of folks that's come up in Christian schools and churches where the word of God was preached right and they've learned and they've heard it, but it never went from here to here. And God is not interested in how much you know. He's interested not in your head, but your heart. It's where all the matters of life flow for. It don't enter here and then get here. It'll come from your heart. So it's a paradox. One crowd said, well, we, we got a head knowledge. We know some things. And they're very boastful in what they know. And they'll belittle you with what they know. And they'll make you think you don't know anything like what they know and they'll talk about what they know and they'll brag about what they know and they'll exalt what they know and they'll, they'll use words that they know that you don't know and, and they'll, you, you do realize that there was a time even in religion in, in, in so called Christianity and I don't believe it was Christianity at all uh, Catholicism where, where, where the average Joe couldn't have a Bible because they believed uh, 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 that you couldn't understand it you need someone with knowledge to explain it to you well you do need some with knowledge to explain it to you but it ain't me and it ain't you his name's the Holy Ghost and he can explain his book to anybody who wants to hear it he wrote it I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just here to point you to him. I'm just here to say what he said. I'm just here to point you to what Jesus said in his word. He'll be the one that'll talk it to you. He'll be the one that'll put it in your heart. He'll be the one that'll nail it down. He'll be the one that'll convince you and convict you. Hallelujah. I don't have to convince you or convict you. It is his job. It is his book. So they said, we do something, we know something. And there was another crowd, and they still are in the religious world. Again, I'm trying to tell you this is a paradox. The world don't understand this. Even religious people that you know. Uh, some said, it's a head matter. We need to know more. If you know more, you're the enlightened. You know. Others said, well, it's a hand matter. We need to do something. What must I do to inherit eternal life is the question of the ages. It is the question, what must I do to please God? And so here's what the other side says. Well, it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. You need to do something, they say. What you need to do is you need to form a soup kitchen. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing to do. What you need to do, they say, is you need to go to church. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you've got the right church, it's a good thing to do. You need to go to church. What you need to do is tithe. What you need to do is give. What you need to do is help the homeless. What you need to do is build wheelchair ramps for the handicapped. And none of those things are wrong. They are good things to do. But none of those things merit salvation. None of those things are what God is looking for. I'll tell you what he's looking for, the pure in heart. And you can do all of that and your heart not be pure. I, I, read, behind, uh, I read behind a man, uh, let's see if I can find where I wrote it down. Uh, he said, uh, uh, genuinely good deeds that do not come from a genuinely good heart have no spiritual value. Well, I thought that was a statement. It may have value good deeds 
from a genuinely good heart. I'm sorry, genuinely good deeds from a, let me read it to you again. Obviously, I can't remember what he said. Genuinely good deeds that do not come from a pure heart. They may have value, but they have no spiritual value. People can do good things and not be saved. People can, and I'll tell you something tonight, sometimes and I don't ever want to belittle the church or mock the church or anything like that, but sometimes lost people tend to do better at doing good for people than people who know Jesus do sometimes. You can find some nice lost people. You can find some nice people that they are all about service and serve the community, and and that's what's wrong with a whole lot of of our Baptist churches in this hour. They've become community servants instead instead of Christians. You say, I thought that was the same thing. No, a Christian will serve in his community, but his, his, his salvation is not based on his service in his community. Uh, Jesus came to deal with man's heart. Um, let, let, me, let, me give you, let me give you this. And I, I'm trying to hurry, and y'all are doing good. I don't think I've lost you yet, but I want to I get this to you before I do tonight. Uh, sincerity pure in heart is it's a paradox because it's more than sincerity to be pure in heart and I'm going to get to it in a moment and explain it to you uh, what, what, what I believe that it is and I don't think it's going to be hard and I'm pretty sure most of you already know where we're headed uh, it's all wrapped up in Jesus it's all wrapped up in Him but pure in heart is more than sincerity uh, there's a lot of sincerely wrong people, but they're sincere. Uh, Second Kings, what what was it? Chapter number or First Kings, chapter number eighteen. Uh, you remember when the prophets of Baal prayed uh, to their gods and prayed that God, their gods would uh, would consume the altar and 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 they and they cut themselves and they put on a display and they literally took knives and began to tear and cut at their body hoping to get their God's attention. I tell you tonight, you've got to be awful sincere in what you believe to put that kind of harm on yourself. There's no denying their sincerity. They were wrong. They were sincerely wrong. But you can be sincere in your religion and be lost. 9-11, the jihadists, the hijackers hijacked the planes and and ran ran them into the World Trade Centers. And we found out later that it was a Muslim group that believed that that their reward was waiting because of that. They were sincere. You've got to be sincere uh, to commit suicide, uh, uh, and especially that kind. You've got to be sincere in your belief to do what they did. But here's what we know. According to the Word of God, they may be sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. Well, I, you know, a preacher, I just don't understand. They're so sincere. You know, I think they're, they're just so sincere. Sincerity don't save you. Jesus saves you. I tell you tonight, it's more than not just your sincerity. It's more than your standards. 
that list of do's and don'ts, the creeds and the mottos and the here's what we don't do, here's what we do, here's what we believe, here's our laws. And, and again, we like to pick out the laws that we don't have no problems with. And, and, and if, 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 if you've got a problem with this one thing, you'll never bring that one up, but you'll bring up ten things that you don't have a problem with and you'll brag on yourself until Jesus comes back about your standards. And, and I'm not against standards. I'm for sincerity and I'm for standards. But neither sincerity nor standards save you. And they do not change your heart. As a matter of fact, true sincerity comes from the heart. True standards come from the heart. It's more than seclusion of oneself. There are monks and in monasteries all across this world, they're here in the United States of America, men who have vowed to never marry, men who have vowed to live in privacy and seclusion all the days of their life, and every day they live in, there are people in this world, they get up every morning and they live in complete silence. They believe if they hear anything from the outside world that it will contaminate them. They believe if they see anyone from the outside world that it will contaminate them. They seclude themselves from every seemingly temptation. Their eyes are not to look on anything on the outside. Their ears are not to hear anything on the outside. They're not to think of anything on the outside. But I want you to know something tonight. I want you to hear me well. The problem is not what's coming in from the outside. The problem is what's on the inside. That's why you hear all the time of these priests in the Catholic religion and they have, and, and, and I'm not trying to belittle or bemean people, uh, be mean to people, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth tonight and they've secluded themselves from marriage and raising children and yet you find all the time that there is another, uh, uh, another sinful act revealed. Why? Because it's not how far away from everything you get uh, that'll save you. Uh, uh, the problem is that man has a problem on the inside that spews forth from his heart you can live on a mountain in seclusion you can move off to a place where no one's at you can take your children and try to raise them on the very tip top of a mountain somewhere where there's no outside influence but I promise you the devil will find them I promise you more than the devil will find them their flesh will rise up in them and they'll get in trouble if there's nowhere to get in trouble around they'll find it Pure in heart is a paradox because it is more than seclusion. And that's what people think about religion. Well, I'm just being sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. That's what people think about religion. Well, we've got these standards of things that we do, and every religion has them. They may look different. There's nothing wrong with standards no more than there's anything wrong with with sincerity. The problem is, is when your standard is your religion. What the world thinks about religion is secluding oneself. What the world thinks about religion and why it's such a paradox is superficial practices. Matthew 23, I want to read it to you tonight. Matthew 23 and verse number 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is the Lord Jesus talking. These are red letter words. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done. He said, you ought to have tithed on those things. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. 
He said, you, you, you're doing some of the right things, but you forgot all about mercy and judgment and faith. It is superficial, it is outward. It is Luke 18 where the, uh, where the two men have gathered to pray and the publican said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee said, Lord, I'm glad I'm not a sinner like him. One of them got his heart right. Lord, I'm a sinner. Oh, that's what it'll take to get your heart right. And the other went, went away with his heart just a little bit colder, just a little bit more stone-like, just a little bit more blind because he said, God, I tell you, I have done some good stuff. I tithe, I give, I, I don't do what he does. I, I, I fast. God, I'm pretty good shape. He missed the whole matter. It was the matter of the heart. I want to read that to you again tonight. Genuinely good deeds that do not come from a pure heart have no spiritual value. Let me read something else someone said. Morality can drown a man as fast as a vice. I'll read that to you again. Let that soak in. Morality. Are you preaching against morality? Absolutely not. I think we ought to have morals. Help me right there. I think we ought to teach them. But morality can drown a man as fast as a vice or sin can. You can go to hell being moral just as well as you can go to hell being wicked. Morals don't save you. Here's something else. A, a vessel may sink with gold or garbage. A boat vessel. It can be weighed down with gold or garbage. It makes no difference. It can sink with both. And you may have a gold standard life and die and go to hell. Or you may have a garbage life and die and go to hell. And it really makes no difference because God don't require God ain't looking for your standards, God, I'm not against them, but you understand in terms of salvation, God's not looking for how sincere you are. He's not looking for how secluded you are. He's not looking for how superficial you are. He's not looking for how many standards you've got. You say, what is it then? He's looking for one thing. Has the blood been applied? Has Jesus saved you? And here's what I'll tell you tonight. If Jesus ever saves you, he'll save you from the inside out. He'll save you in your heart. And all the works of righteousness will flow from the heart. Jesus demands a pure, perfect heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus said, if you want what I've got, you need your heart to be perfectly pure. That's a paradox to the whole entire world. And sitting in here tonight, there's some saved folks, a whole bunch of us, and we understand that. The old song said, Since Jesus took my heart all to pieces and put a... We used to sing Little Sunshine, and then somebody said, Well, you put a lot of sunshine in. I don't know, probably a goofy song. I don't know, but it sounds good tonight. Since Jesus took my heart all to pieces and put a lot of sunshine in, He took away the... I never know songs, but I make them up as I go. 
He gave a lot of joy and gladness. He took away the doubt and sin. Since Jesus took my heart all to pieces. And he put a lot of sunshine in. Lost your heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. I'm, I'm coming to an end. I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts and a couple of verses. Religion is broken into two things. Really only two. And you can see that down the board. It's heaven or hell, saved or lost. God or contrary to that, Satan. It's broke down into two basic principles. One being human achievement. Everywhere you look tonight, you'll find religion built on human achievement. What do I know in my head and what can I do with my hands? Is that not right? Human achievement. People trying to talk God into believing that they've done something good enough to earn God's goodness. When God emphatically said, here's what you need, you need a new, pure perfect heart who could stand tonight with all their human achievement and say my heart's pure I have a pure heart in my religion of works one side is religion is human achievement here's the other breakdown here's the other basic principle and it's not really all that basic it's really shout worthy heavenly accomplishment one crowd is human achievement. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read my Bible more. And you ought to do all them things, but that ain't getting you into the family of God. I'm going to tithe more. I'm going to build more wheelchair ramps, stand in more soup kitchen lines. I'm going to do more, be more, act more, try more. I'm going to do everything I can. That's human achievement. Human achievement will always come up short. It will always send you to hell. Then what's the alternative, preacher? Heavenly accomplishment. It is finished. Jesus paid it all. On the cross of Calvary, the Son of God came once and for all. He died once and for all. He shed His blood once and for all. And by that one offering, He'll purify you. He'll save you. He'll wash you. He'll justify you. And He'll do it once and for all. You'll not need to get saved again. He paid the price. It is finished. Heavenly accomplishment. Jesus did it all. Here's you another song. I may remember the words of this. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. How, how weird would that song sound? I paid it all. Mm. That kind of stinks, don't it? Jesus paid part. and I paid the other half. Ooh, I don't like that either. That kind of grieves my soul. I am making payments. and I'm going to buy my way in. I don't know how much I'll need, but I'm saving it up. Oh, I don't like that version. Let's go back to the original. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> 
fun preaching tonight. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Let me give you these verses and I'll close. Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. What did he say you did? You were servants of sin. How did you quit? Did you start doing more, being more, trying more? Did you achieve more? No, what did you do? You believe from the heart in the heavenly accomplishment. Oh, y'all help me right there. You believe from the heart in what Jesus did. Romans 10. I'm just going to hand you these verses now. We're just going to pass them out to you, so to speak, and you can chew on them, and we'll go to the house in just a second. Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God. Let's see here. Prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. That's a human achievement. I want to read that again tonight. I'm nearly done preaching, but I don't feel like I'm done just yet. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul said, I really want Israel to get saved. Hey, I got news for you. One of these days they're going to. But there's a whole lot of folks acting like Israel tonight, and they're going to die and go to hell. And there's a whole lot of folks in Israel going to die and go to hell. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They know some stuff about Him. They believe some stuff about Him. And they're dogmatic about some stuff about Him. But not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Let me ask you a question tonight. Could that be said of you? Going about to establish your own righteousness. Not submitting yourself to the righteousness of God. For Christ is into the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses, Moses, Describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What saith your heart? Or what saith the word? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He says, heart matter. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Oh, this is how a man gets saved. It's Romans 10, 9. I'm nearly done, but don't lose me yet. What does a man need to do? His heart 
has been telling him you need to make your own righteousness. You need to create your own way. You need to please God with all of your works. And he's trying to do that to get his heart right. Here's what the Bible said needs to happen to get your heart right. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said something has happened in your heart. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul's again talking about Israel and religion. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. He said, y'all claim to know Moses and follow Moses and believe Moses, but even to this day when any of Moses' words, the first five books of the Old Testament are read, you have a veil upon your heart. You can't see it, you can't hear it. Have I lost you? Have a veil on your heart. Verse 16, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord. When what shall turn? Israel's heart shall turn to the Lord. The veil shall be taken away. I'm I'm trying to close tonight, but I'm under heavy, heavy burden this evening. There's folks even in here. And we love you and I love you and I want God to help you and save you. But I want you to listen to me tonight. There's a veil over your heart. You can't see God's work past your work. You can't see God's worth past your own worth. You can't see God's value past your own value. You can't see to worship God past worshiping yourself. And you've made a God out of yourself and you've said, God, I'm good enough and I'm going to please you and I'm going to work and I'm going to do and I'm going to serve and I'm going to strive and I'm going to make my own way. And you know why you can continue in that week after week, month after month, year after year? It's because there's a veil over your heart. You say, how do you know? Because you have been blind and you are blind to the truth. You say, what do I need to do? If you just turn your heart in Jesus' direction, He'll take the veil away and He'll save you. If you'll say something like this, God, is He right? You just, I mean, what does the verse say? Verse 6, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord. What? The heart, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, the heart of Israel and the heart of you. The veil shall be taken away. He said when Israel one day at the end of that tribulation looks at all that's around them and says, did we miss something? About that moment they go to questioning whether they were right or not. God's going to rip that veil back. Is anybody glad for the day when you were, you were lost on your way to hell and blind in your sin and blind in your religion but you heard the word of truth preached and you turned your heart just a little towards God and God ripped the veil away and said you are a sinner but I came to save sinners and if you call on me I'll save you to the uttermost. I won't finish no more. I'm done. Blessed are the pure in heart. Come to the piano. There's a lot more I want to say. I'll finish it next time.
Here's what I want to say tonight. Okay, preacher. Something needs to happen in my heart. That's exactly right. It needs to be made pure and perfect. What can do that? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, if you'll turn your heart towards Christ tonight, Jesus will save you. I'm still rejoicing, Gina, that you got saved last Sunday morning. I'm going to tell something on you, and it's going to embarrass you a little, but it'll be all right. First time she came, James raised his hand. She raised her hand. Said, I need to get saved. You don't know that, but and I wouldn't have told it before she got saved, but now she has been. She raised her hand. She didn't come. James came and got saved. James, I'm glad. I'm still rejoicing God saved you. James came and got saved. But I'm going to tell you what happened that Sunday morning when that hand went up. That heart turned just a little bit. And God could get in there and work for the next two weeks. And I believe he did. Is there anybody here tonight? The preacher said, is there anybody here this morning and you're not lost or you're not saved? The preacher said, nobody's looking. Would you just lift your hand up? And just that right there. The Lord said, there's somebody turning their heart towards me. (laughs) There's somebody moving in my direction. I think I'll move in their direction. I got a feeling, she didn't get saved that Sunday morning, but I got a feeling God went home with her that Sunday morning. I got a feeling he hung out with her all week. I got a feeling he didn't leave her alone. And when she got back last Sunday morning, he was still, you know why? Because a heart turned. I rejoice in the day. My heart was hard. My heart was cold. I'm done preaching tonight now. My heart was hard and cold. But I heard the word of truth. And I turned in his direction. Hallelujah. And he got in a place to work. And if he ever gets to working in your heart. If he ever gets to working in your heart. And you ever turn in his direction. Oh, business is about to pick up. Lord, thank you tonight. I have enjoyed preaching. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Thank you for the day you turned my hard heart and saved me. Lord, tonight if there's someone here lost, God, they're going to go to hell from our pews, from our church. They're going to go to hell with a head full of religion and hands full of religion, but a heart that has never been made pure. Tonight, I pray they'd turn their heart to you and they'd confess their sins and believe on you as their Savior. That's what we're asking for tonight. In Christ's name, let's stand. Just a word to the Christians tonight. And I'll preach it out next week. Preacher, how do I know my heart's pure? Because Jesus did that work. It's not something you did, it's something he did. You're just going to have to believe him.
He made your heart pure when He saved you. He made you clean when He saved you. He made you washed when He saved you. Hallelujah. Let's stand. We're standing. If you need to come thank God tonight, would you come thank Him? If you want to come brag on Him and bless Him tonight that He saved you, uh, come get around His altars and thank God that He sought you out and bought you with a prize of His own blood tonight. They're going to come pray. Or they're coming to pray. She's going to sing.